Hi, we are back. It's Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam, with our weekly Week in Review, Just Ask the Press, where we unpack a lot of things that have gone on this week. And joining me, as always, is former federal prosecutor Michael Zeldin and editor-at-large from CQ Roll Call, John Bennett. And if you haven't been listening, and you haven't because we just started recording, we've been having fun before the case. So we're going to unpack quite a bit this week, including the incredible shrinking presidency, the latest on Donald Trump, that mugshot, uh, the pleas for free Donald Trump. He is free. And by the way, never surrender. He surrendered four times, but we'll get into all that. And then uh, the speedy trial home cooking motion. But we also don't want to forget the Republican debate. A uh, Wagner leader crashes and burns, literally. Uh, Peter Navarro's contempt of Congress and Jim Jordan wants to investigate Fannie Willis. So stick around. A lot to unpack. We'll be right back. In this modern age of misinformation and deceit, Just Ask the Questions newsletter cuts through the BS and gets to the truth. With Brian's in-depth articles, columns, and exclusive content not released anywhere else. Get the scoop and stay in the know. Sign up for the Just Ask the Question newsletter now at substack.com slash JATQ podcast. Hi, we are back. Hi, oh, it's just asked the question. I don't know why I slipped in a you know a, a Johnny Carson reference there. And uh, this week, unpacking the latest and what's going on in the weekend news, and we're going to start out. I I, I want to start out this way. This morning, I got a uh, email, as I'm sure you did, uh, John and Michael. You may have been a recipient of it as well from the White House for immediate release. Statement from President Joe Biden on Equal Rights Amendment Centennial. A hundred years ago, a pioneering group of women proposed the Equal Rights Amendment. Now, a century later, our fight continues. That's the gist of it. Now, I get it that uh, he's celebrating um, Female Equality Day at the White House, but I, this is, to me, just another example of a missed opportunity by this White House to talk about things that it's done well or things that need to be done. If the uh, over the last week, particularly, we've been inundated and you can blame the press or you can blame the president or maybe the blame starts with both of us as to why the hell we turned, as you said before we started, John, we turned a 22 minute booking process into a six hour television special with Donald Trump. While real news, the, the president of the United States in Hawaii, the president of the United States dealing with issues, the Equal Rights Amendment. All of that took a second, well, took a back seat. So, John, I, I, I guess I'll start out with you. What the hell's wrong with the? Did we do it wrong, or did they do it wrong, or both? 
Probably both. Uh, the White House, um, you know, damn straight both. Sorry, pull the, yeah, pull pull the curtain back a little bit on on the rundown uh, that you put together for the show, Brian. You said that Biden has disappeared. Where's the president? You asked. Yeah. Well, he's on vacation um, for the second time in what three or four weeks. Uh, the first time he was at his beach house in Rehoboth, uh, Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. Uh, this time he's uh, staying in. Um, uh, is it Lake Tahoe or Tahoe? Lake Tahoe, yeah. Nevada. See, Nevada, by the way, got that one right. Every time they say Lake Tahoe, I always think of, of the Godfather, but go ahead. Right. So, <laughs> you know, I don't begrudge any president. I didn't begrudge Trump uh, taking a summer break and getting out of D.C. Um, I didn't no. begrudge Obama or any other president. You know, it's a big job, obviously, a change of scenery, spend time with your family, uh, and just get away. Now, the if you're going to criticize Biden here, other presidents have taken a two-week consecutive vacation. The difference is Biden broke his up, came back to the White House last week for, you know, a normal week of White House stuff. Um, he broke up his two weeks. And, um, you know, but that that kind of prolongs the feel. It, so now it feels like he's been off the grid all month instead of just the usual presidential two weeks. And that's a problem. And you say, you know, the equal rights. Well, you know, I know Joe Biden believes in at calls personally. He also believes in his reelection bid, I think. Um, and he who's he going to need in big numbers? Yeah. Women. Women. And those six to eight states that I know everyone's probably sick of hearing me talk about. But um, that's too bad because that's who's going to decide the election. Um, is those six to eight states, independent voters, um, you know, centrist Republicans. I think there are still a few hundred thousand in the country and women make up a big slice, of, a big piece of that slice of the pie. So he needs women voters. Now, here's the thing, Brian. Yeah, he's coming back to the White House tonight. Air, uh, uh, Marine wants you to touch down around 930 p.m. If you know, if this is such a big deal, it is the centennial of the equal rights. You know, why why not come back during the day, give remarks, have an event? It's a lovely day here so far. It's a little hot, but okay, it's August. Have something in the Rose Garden to commemorate this. That's my question. Why in the hell? It I, I mean, they gripe it up, and I'll take the hit. We don't, you know, uh, maybe we don't cover this administration as much as we should and i i agree that perhaps that's the case but on, on the other on the flip side of it where's the spectacle donald trump made a six-hour television show out of a 22-minute booking this is legitimate news and there's no spectacle to it well yeah yeah i i think we allow ourselves to or, be are we taken away by spectacle what was the first part we are definitely taken away by yeah. spectacle what was the first part yeah, that's the question is, are we taken away by spectacle? Yeah, we're taken away by spectacle for sure. Um, if I was the, you know, vice president of a cable news network, vice president of editorial or news or whatever they call it, would I have done anything different on Thursday? No. So we are, we're, we're, yes, we're blown away by spectacle. You could say we fall for it, but yes. what, were we, what were we supposed to do? Put on, Put on an hour special at 6 p.m. about, you know, the history of X, Y, or Z? Or are we going to cover the former president, of the first former president to be indicted for the fourth time? I, you're going to cover it. <laughs> and, and you know, I don't, you know, we're still not comfortable in the business with this notion 
that it's not 1982 anymore. It's it's more of a big business now, and we have to think about ratings. There's no wall between the newsroom and the business department or the marketing department anymore. Used to be, but not anymore. Right. So we do have to think about that. And well, wait, wait a minute. Hold that, that does play hold, into, hold that thought. But it, does, it plays into Trump's hands because by the time his motorcade pulled off the tarmac in Atlanta, I was feeling like, wow, I don't know if Fonnie Willis, the DA in Fulton County, realizes that she just gave him a primetime campaign special. And all he really had to pay for really was to operate his plane to and from. Yeah, well, that's, and he can't afford that. Michael, you, I, I, I see, see you there with bated breath. <laughs> what, what's your well, thought? I was just disappointed that no network had O.J. Simpson as a commentator. <laughs> Where's Al Cowlings? He could have done it. Yeah, exactly. AC. For God's sakes, why was it that the media traveled with this airplane from Newark to Florida and back for, as you said, a 20-minute booking? I just don't understand. I can understand them covering the presser at the airport on the way home where he said, I did nothing wrong and I'll see you later. That's news. And well, the, the funny thing, I'm sorry to interrupt, Michael. The funny thing about that is CNN and MSNBC refused to carry what he said on the tarmac yes. live. So you're going to give us this for six hours and you're not going to let the man speak. It, it just, it was, that was strange. I would have done that differently. Sorry, Michael. Sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. I guess the only thing um, I would have covered is that statement, you know, that that I would have had President, um, former President Trump has arrived in Atlanta. We could see if you want his motorcade go into the garage. I don't know what's newsworthy about that. And then uh, he arrives at the tarmac and he makes his statement. And then we issue the bugshot picture. And that's, you know, all that was newsworthy. The transportation um, footage in between the Trump plane on the um, airport runway is just what they were criticized for during the 2016, which they, you know, haven't a, learned from. Mea culpas about, which was rally after rally after rally, they covered for free. And now we see this, you know, gigantic airplane with Trump on it. And it's, you know, it's, uh, it's a campaign event and he should have to, you know, Buy time on television, not get it for free. I just don't get why it is, other than they think people will want to watch it. But I don't know what's even um, interesting about watching an airplane on a on a on a runway. <laughs> who's gonna tune? I mean, I'm thinking, who's gonna tune in to watch for an hour an airplane sitting on a tarmac? I mean, you have to have better things to do in life, I would think. Yeah, well, one would hope, right? That's that's. But as as a reporter and and as someone who's covered it, it it there are actual news events going on. I mean, there are actual things, you know. And, and we're going to get to some of them real quick, right after I say this, and then, so we'll let Mike Michael unpack some of that. But there's real stuff going on, and to spend all that time, to your point, John, covering a a motorcade of a former president. And then not even caring what he said, 
while I have to listen to anchors with no experience covering Donald Trump or even uh, uh, no experience being in front of him, telling us what it is he's thinking kind of seemed to me like just a lesson in futility. So with that said, I want to move on to to uh, some of the things that did happen during that particular Thursday and some other things that happened. And Michael, I'll go to you for that. Let's start with the, uh, well, the mug shot. Let's, uh, and I guess we'll all get to jump in on that. I mean, he, he, I, I tweeted out after or X'd out or whatever the hell it is. And, and John, you and I were talking as this was going on. And I said, look, it'll be an hour after he, you know, gets this mug shot produced that he'll be putting it on mugs and t-shirts and charging people $47 for it. And sure enough, it was along with the caption, never surrender. But as we all know, he had to surrender four times in order to, you know, be arraigned and booked. Michael, the, the mugshot, was it a mistake letting him or forcing him to take it? Well, not mugshots are taken so that if somebody doesn't show up for court, you can put out one of those all points bulletins, be on be on lookout, lookout, a bolo, and, um, and you'll have a photo of the person you're looking for. Nobody doesn't know what Donald Trump looks like, so it's not like <laughs> a mugshot was was needed. So, on the one hand, you think, oh, this is completely unnecessary, and why do it? On the other hand, you think, well, he is a criminal defendant, like any other criminal defendant that appears there. So we'll take his picture in the ordinary course and we'll release it in the ordinary course. No special treatment, nothing different. And we'll never be able to control what he does with that photo. Or if there wasn't a photo, he'd be selling something else. He, <laughs> he, would, he, would, he would have, as there were before his mugshot were released, there were um, photoshopped mugshots. Yeah, right. So if he, if he didn't take a real one, Someone would have been putting up his, you know, with the no surrender um, uh, logo, right? It's no surrender that he says underneath. Yeah. It. I, I wonder if Fannie Willis is allowed to put um, her picture on a T-shirt and say no retreat. So we can have the no retreat, no surrender. And uh, Springsteen, you know, sort of in the background. Yeah, right. Uh, we've already done. I, I know. I was already to rock lyrics myself. Here's right. <laughs> surrender. Right. I was I was going cheap trick. But um, here's my question for you. The quote from the Don was, and this is what he told Fox Digital. They insisted on a mug shot, and I agreed to do that. He really didn't have a say in that, did he? I mean, once they decide they want one, that's pretty much it. Correct. And and then he. So he has no he has no choice um in in that if they decide that they're going to treat him as an ordinary um criminal that appears in their courtroom then that will be that and he has no choice but to say yes so they were able to negotiate um the time and date but not the allowance of it or the disallowance of it and and he said he had a terrible experience and that he saw people making shivs and i i i'd say you know if that's the case if it was a terrible experience and he thinks that you know uh that being booked into jail is a bad thing maybe we should book more uh 
very rich people into prison and let them see what it's like so we can get real prison reform. John, <laughs> well, can I just say one thing that made me laugh beside the fact that he listed his weight at 215 and he's yeah. probably 70 pounds above that. So, yeah, uh, most basic thing what do you weigh? He lied by, by 70 or so pounds. Uh, you know, what psychology goes into that? He probably lies to his doctor when his doctor says, What do you weigh? He, he lied about his height and weight. So that that's, you know. So. Yeah, and he's not 6'3". I'm 6'2". I still look down on John. You're taller than me. You look down on him. You're 6'3". Well, yeah. Let me And let me add to that. They listed his hair color as strawberry blonde. And <laughs> I got a bone to pick. Okay? We gingers have been fighting for centuries. <laughs> and we have been discriminated against and made fun of about our orange hair. Okay? <laughs> That man is not strawberry blonde. He's not a part of Ginger Nation. And, you know, I'm calling shenanigans. <laughs> he, he's gray if he's got it. <laughs> I, I mean, I've got more grays now than I did two weeks ago. But uh, <laughs> Amen to that. But it's still, you know, I'm, st I'm still a member of Ginger Nation for a few more years until it all goes white. And he is not a strawberry blonde. No, no I didn't not. even know that. I didn't even know you could list that on an official, like, you know, government die. I've never seen that before. Yeah, neither had I, honestly. That's Michael. But what was the original question? <laughs> yeah, that's well, the question was about the mugshot, but I think we well, yeah, the mug, I mean, the mugshot, uh, Brian, you and I were, I think we were texting about this, um, at the end of, of the very long night Thursday. And you know, I the Lincoln Project and others were, you know, putting out mem, memes and other things, and people were, you know celebrating and i understand that that folks on the left and and trump trump's critics and opponents you know it was a big day it was a big moment to see him in that mug shot but you know it's like when the guy dances around in the end zone in the first quarter of a big game this right. thing hasn't really started yet folks that it starts the trial is what matters and is fawny willis is her office up to this are they sophisticated enough to get a conviction? I think that's what Trump's foes need to focus on. And it just felt, you know, you know, when Michelle Obama said, when they go low, we go high. I, I just felt like they Trump's went, foes low. went really low on Thursday night. And um, it, it, it just shows the division yet again in the country. And, and I, I wasn't in a celebratory mood, but you know, I just, I just kind of find it dis distasteful. Well, with that said, yeah, let's get to some of that. I mean, it, this is just the end of the beginning, not the beginning of the end. But, mm -hmm. um, Michael, let's, you know, Chesborough asked for a speedy trial this week. And, boy, he got uh, he got <laughs> a response to that. And then there's also the removal hearing and the trial date. So can you unpack some of that for us? Sure. So the way it works in Georgia and in the federal system is that Defendants have a right to a speedy trial. And in Georgia, that means before the end of the current judicial term, which is the end of October. So he has asserted his rights under the Speedy Trial Act for a speedy trial. And the prosecutors obliged. I think they're pretty much obligated to oblige. Or the case gets dismissed. So they said, sure, if you want to have a trial on the 20th before the end of October, then let's do it on the 23rd. And Sidney Powell joined in that request. So you have two people who are getting ready to have a trial on October the 23rd. 
and the prosecutor will have to bring the case against them um, with only those two defendants unless anybody else uh, joins them. And this happens a lot in conspiracy cases when you've got a lot of people when you can't get everybody's schedule to align, they they do, they bifurcate it. They'll do some people on one time and another group of people on another time. And, you know, it's not ideal uh, because you have to try your case twice, but it's not the end of the world. And that's what will be unless somehow the defendants who are not being tried have authority under the Georgia law, which I haven't found yet, but they may have some authority to say, we'll be prejudiced if they go to trial um, and we're not there. And therefore, please judge, uh, deny this request. And I don't know that there is law um, that, that allows it. But assuming that they have the right to go to trial quickly, those who want it will do it. And those who don't, won't. And there are advantages and disadvantages. The advantages for those who don't go are that they get to sit in the back of the courtroom and listen to the government's case and make notes of what was strong and what was weak and where they might build their defense. So they get a preview. The That's the good for them, perhaps. The bad for them, perhaps, is that I would expect, especially in the case of, of Cheeseborough, maybe um, Sidney Powell, but she's a little bit more of a wild card, but Cheeseborough will say, just like the false electors have said, I did nothing wrong. And to the extent I did anything, I did it at the behest of the president of the United States. So Chesborough's defense is probably going to be to point his finger at Trump and say, he's the culprit. I'm just an underling. Don't, you know, maybe I made a judgment mistake, but I certainly didn't have any criminal intent. If you, If anyone had criminal intent, it's that guy. Yeah. And that guy isn't in that courtroom to say, whoa, that's not true. So he can't defend himself. So if I were there, I would be arguing, if I were Cheeseboro's lawyer, the empty seats to my right, which is where the other co-defendants would be sitting if they were here, are the people to blame. And when they'll come to trial, we hope that you know some jury here in Atlanta will uh, convict them properly. But as to us, uh, we did nothing You've got the wrong people in court, and thank you very much, and please give us a, an acquittal verdict. So but, there's ups and downs for it, but right now they have their right to to do it. Well, my, my question for you is, in covering some RICO cases in the past, usually these things start out with a united defense. You know, all co-defendants are, are you know, bop, 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 we're marching in lockstep, and of course, uh, Jenna has already said that Rudy and a few others were in lockstep against this horrible thing that's happened to us by the Democrats. But as the prosecution wears on and things get closer to reality, usually that breaks up, doesn't it? Um, it does, yes, because people are trying to cut deals in their best interest. You know, you've got a lot of people here who are facing RICO uh, charges. They're all facing RICO charges, but a lot of people here who have really done something, you know, just a small, I've called these things uh, hub and spoke conspiracy, where you've got the people in the hub, the maybe the Mark Meadows and the Donald Trump and the John Eastman. And then you got the spokes, the people who are doing, you know, acts in furtherance of the conspiracy, but really are not at the heart of the matter. And they might not even know 
who the other spokes are. You know, they they could be just doing things at the request of the hub without knowing that the hub is also asking other spokes and those spokes aren't talking to each other, but they all show up in court at the same time and they introduce each other um, for the first time. Hey, who are you? I'm the spoke that, you know, yeah. <laughs> that went to Coffee County. Oh, I'm the, I'm the spoke who filed the false elector, you know, and they're all sitting there. And then there's the masterminds who are at the, at, at the, the hub of this thing. And so a lot of those spokes sometimes will say, Hey, I got to get out from under this mastermind stuff because I'm going to get swept up into it and convicted. And so let me sort of figure out, I have anything to say in the way of evidence, you know, testimony to so-called flippers, um, right. or at least if I have nothing to add, just say, Hey, look, I'm not really a Rico guy. I'm just a, you know, a false statements guy. Can you give me one count false statements uh, you know, three months in prison or probation and a fine and, uh, uh, you know, um, some rosary things and and I'll go on my way. So that's what often happens. And I think that Fannie Willis can fairly expect that in the end, this won't be a trial of, well, there are only 17 left now because of the two who have been um, severed out for their speedy trial, that there won't be a trial of 17, that somehow that 17 number is going to continue to diminish. Do you think that they'll, uh, Mark Meadows will be successful getting it up uh, to a federal? Well, that's a that's a good question. The 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 three um, things that have to be met in order to remove a case from state court to federal court are one: at the time of the alleged offense, they were a federal official, or they were acting um, in on a, behest of official a capacity, right? Right. Then, two, they must be facing charges for or related to any act under the color of their office, meaning they were acting in the scope of their responsibilities as a federal employee in their job, and that they have a three uh, colorable federal defense, um, that there is a federal defense. And so the federal defense that Meadows is arguing is, I'm immunity, I've got immunity if I was acting in the scope of my employment. So the big, the thing is, was he acting in the scope of his employment? Did he, is what he did um, part of his job description for which he should have federal immunity? And, you know, it's a it's an arguable case. I think the arguments against it are what you were doing was interfering in a state election, states under, you know, the states' rights theories that you propose all the time, <laughs> are independent of the federal government. And uh, you have no federal responsibility with respect to state elections. And in fact, the Hatch Act, which is a hack that, uh, yeah. act that prevents federal employees from being involved in state politics, it's a crime uh, to do that, would prohibit you from doing it. And so the analogy is the fact that you are just making telephone calls. If you were making telephone calls that were part of the conspiracy, then those are not within the scope of your authority. Someone said to me, well, what if he was just making a phone call at the behest of the president? Doesn't he get it because the president asked him to do it? And I said, if the president asked him to rob the grocery store, and he said, okay, and rob the grocery <laughs> store, that would not be within the scope of his employment, and he would not be immune from prosecution for, for robbery. So if the president said, I want you to interfere in a state election by making these phone calls and um, setting up meetings that I can you know, pressure people 
to act illegally, that's the same thing as asking him to rob the grocery store. There are acts outside of the scope of his employment. Now, his lawyer said, well, everything he did. Well, everything- he's going to say that Donald Trump didn't say that. He's going to say Donald Trump just said, make a phone call and see if it's OK down there. Yes, but you have to exercise your independent judgment. Donald Trump yeah. just said, I'm really hungry. Um, and so I went out and robbed the grocery store. Um, <laughs> you know, you have to exercise some judgment there. And, and Meadows' <laughs> lawyers have said, um, well, everything he did was on its face legal. He made a phone call. He set up a meeting. All those things are legal acts. And my thought about is, is if the three of us were discar- dis- decided to rob a bank. So we're going to enter into a conspiracy to rob a bank. So we all agree that we're going to rob a bank. And now we have to do, you know, preparatory stuff. So uh, Bennett here is going to buy a car and I'm going to get a piece of paper and some pencils to write down the, put the money in a bag note. And Brian's going to go get the ski masks to cover our, and then all of those acts, buy the ski mask, get a car, get a pencil, paper, they're all legal, but they're all acts taken in furtherance of our illegal conspiracy to rob a bank. And that's criminal. And so when he says, all I did was make a phone call, that's no different than all I did was buy a ski mask or uh, or a getaway car if it was done in furtherance of the conspiracy. And so that's what will be decided. I think the hearing starts on Monday and see whether the judge says you are acting in the scope of your authority and therefore you are immune from prosecution. You know, sort of like the police have qualified immunity when they act with the scope of their authority and beat somebody up. Um, same thing here. Um, I don't think I am smart enough to know what the outcome will be, Is but it does seem to me that it argues against Meadows winning because he really is interfering in, in a state election over which the federal government and his job as chief of staff have no uh, real relevance. Hey, John, we, we both covered uh, Meadows. You, you know him fairly well. Think he'd go buy a ski mask if he was asked? <laughs> well, it, it, to, to keep to keep the analogy metaphor, whichever one it is, going. Um, well, he kind of did. He kind of <laughs> did buy the ski mask. It, it, he he went down to Georgia. You know, um, there's a song like that. Uh, he went down to Georgia and looking for, then, a, for some votes to steal. For looking for some vote, looking for an election to steal. Right. I mean, again, I I've said this here and elsewhere and written it. Um, they're not denying any of this. I mean, we know yes. Meadows was there. We know why he was there. They told us, and Trump is still saying, as he did on the tarmac um, at that lovely airport in Atlanta, that the election was stolen and he had a right to object to it. Uh, Meadows, again, Meadows isn't saying that he didn't do all this stuff. He's saying he had immunity as chief of, as a, a government employee's White House chief of staff. They're not denying it. They're just saying it wasn't illegal. So, yeah, he bought the ski mask. He did that. <laughs> and he's yeah. not denying that he went to Dick's Sporting Goods and bought the ski mask. Yes. He's saying that going to Dick's Sporting Goods and buying the ski mask was covered by his immunity. Yeah, and that... Uh... And uh, you you bring up an interesting point, and we've talked to a lot it, when you they scream Trump is innocent, Trump is being railroaded, but they never address the specific issues by which he was indicted. The the one thing that Trump has denied is Mike Pence has said there was a conversation 
in which Trump, um, you know, said things, certain things about him blocking the counting of the vote by Congress on January 6th, the Electoral College votes. Trump has said that conversation never happened. The best I can tell, that's really the only major thing that Trump is denying in all of this. So with that one one caveat, which is important because, you know, Trump has an end. Do you believe him? <laughs> he has it well. That'll be up to a jury, won't it? Yes, won't it? <laughs> That's, well, be up to the jury. we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to unpack some more of this wonderful stuff that happened this week. And uh, so stick around. Uh, we'll be right back. Hey, Just Ask the Question podcast listeners. If you've got a second, head on over to Twitter and follow our official page, J-A-T-Q Podcast. That's J-A-T-Q Podcast. In this modern age of misinformation and deceit, Just Ask the Questions newsletter cuts through the BS and gets to the truth. With Brian's in-depth articles, columns, and exclusive content not found anywhere else. Get the scoop and stay in the know. Sign up for the Just Ask the Question newsletter now at substack.com slash J-A-T-Q podcast. Hi, we are back. It is Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam, for this wonderful episode of Just Ask the Press as we unpack the wonderful things that occurred during this week in the uh, area of news. And we're down to, uh, Michael, I guess we've talked about uh, the speedy trial. Let's talk a little bit about, and and of course, Meadows, uh, attempt to separate himself from the herd uh, but what about the removal hearing uh, tell talk to me a little bit about that is that a serious thing yeah that's what we're talking about removal is i'm, I'm talking about going... uh, i'm sorry the uh, uh, god bit my lip not that 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 removal hearing the the uh getting rid of the judge and the prosecutor the recusal yeah recusal the, thank the, you uh no you want me to give it a more expensive like, <laughs> answer? Well, that, that's that's some in-depth analysis there, brother. <laughs> no. no Turning to the next question. Turning to the next question. Well, one well, last thing. One last thing out of that question. Um, Michael just gave me some uh, some time for this. Um, Michael said earlier, uh, and I'm not a Rico guy, and I think I'm going to get T-shirts made with that on <laughs> and see if I can make a few bucks. Yeah, well, that's I, <laughs> you can if you put them on Trump's website. <laughs> I'm not a Rico guy. I'm not a Rico guy. <laughs> hey, I don't uh, have enough friends to be a Rico guy. <laughs> I couldn't any get anybody to be in, in a Rico with exactly me. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, right. um, what about the trial date? You think it'll happen in October? Uh, me? Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Uh. I'll, and I'll then we'll go. Michael Michael. I, I will pull a Zeldin and say, no. <laughs> Michael, well, the the issue is <laughs> no. <laughs> well, the issue is that they have us. They have a statutory right to a speedy trial, uh, and what I just don't know the answer to, and maybe one of your listeners will fill us in, or I'll go do legal research. Is you've got two things that are in conflict with one another. You've got a defendant's right to a speedy trial. And then you've got a defendant's right to effective assistance of counsel. And these things can conflict. And so in the case of these 17 defendants, some of them are saying 
Trump's lawyer has been saying, look, there are 11 million documents here and I've got to you know, work my way through them. I can't provide effective assistance of counsel if you give me a trial date that's too close in time to when I get all these uh, discovery documents. And if you make me go to trial that soon, I'm going to appeal and say this forced timeline denied my client effective assistance of counsel, and he's got an argument to, to be made. But on the other hand, the statute says you have a right to a, a speedy trial within you know the judicial time frame set up, and that's the end of October. And what I just don't know is, besides severing out the two defendants who have asked for it from the others, whether the court has the authority to say, look, you guys going to trial now somehow impairs the the rights of the other defendants to due process and effective assistance of counsel. And so while you've asked for it, and while the law provides for it, the law also provides for an exception to it. And I'm going to apply that exception here because it's going to interfere with the due process. I don't know whether that exception rule applies. I haven't found it yet. I've been looking. I just don't know. If it doesn't exist, if it's a hard and fast, if they if they ask, you must give it then you're going to have a trial with those two um, or anybody else who asks for a speedy trial because the court may have no authority but to do it um, or the prosecutor has to dismiss the case. Well, so you you that's a, a long way of coming down on the fact that you think that we'll, we'll have a trial or at least for two of them before the end of the year. Unless there's some exception um, that allows the court to delay it because of the impact it has on other co-defendants, I think that the Speedy Trial Act um, allows for it, mandate. But but um, I'm in the middle of my researching about whether this exception um, that I've been you know sort of hypothesizing about actually exists or it's something <laughs> that you know what or, or I, whether it's a Trumpium <laughs> or whether it's, you know you know it, it may not exist but. Perhaps it should exist, but should exist requires legislation, and that's not going to happen before the end of October. No, that's true. John, uh, you already said no, so let's go, let's scoot on to the to the next issue, the Republican debate. We got to see for the first time what the uh, the Trump world will look beyond Donald Trump. And there were, while he went on Tucker Carlson and claims, I think his latest claim is that there were three hundred and something million views on his on his video with uh, Tucker, which would mean that every, pretty much every man, woman, and child in the U.S. saw his uh, his video, which I'm not buying. But it, on the on the stage, and it picked up fairly decent ratings, I guess, were eight uh, people. Uh, I call them the also rans who want to run for president against Trump. Trump says they're merely auditioning for uh, parts in his new production when he becomes president again in uh 2020 at the end of 2024 uh looking at that debate i thought for the first time you're going to see a picture that donald donald trump's almost irrelevant to donald trump's uh movement it will continue whether he's there or not and there are plenty of crazies like uh vivek ramaswamy who will continue speaking his mind as will desantis what were your thoughts when you sat there and you both of us had to sit through that <laughs> so <laughs> others didn't have to <laughs> Well, I thought that it was uh, it was refreshing and they, you know, they argued and they sparred and, and there were some, you know, some lighter insults back and forth. But it was 
it was refreshing almost uh, to not yes. have Trump on that stage. There were times where you still got some Trumpian proposals or ideas floated, like the I like the notion of using the U.S. military uh, to go after drug cartels on Mexican soil. By the way, Mexico still an ally. By the way, Mexico, yeah, you don't bomb de- allies. Right, d- depending on the good, uh, the the good that they sell us um, or we sell them. Depending on on how you rank it and categorize it, they're still the second or third biggest trading partner with the U.S. And usually, you don't go to war with your biggest trading partners. And by the way, how we said we were talking about this the other night. How are you going to get U.S. troops there? You could do an amphibious, the first amphibious assault in you know since World War II, and and go you know you could go from San Diego to wherever. Or if you wanted to take them in through Texas, Arizona, New Mexico, California, oh, we're back to the Posse Comitatus Act, yeah. aren't we? <laughs> and and, and guess what? Not a thing. <laughs> and guess what? You ain't getting a waiver for that. You're not getting 60 votes in the Senate for that. So that's out. And some other things like uh, we heard it repeated that Democrats support abortions up until, you know, the, the ninth or 10th month, which up just is birth. not. Yeah, up until birth, which is just not the case. Democrats do not support that. Um, so we 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 still had these Trumpian moments. We had these conspiracy theories and these false statements and narratives get through. But that was not for once the majority of the Republican debate. They had a debate other than those moments um, about issues. They talked about issues in depth. They their differences were on full display. You got to see kind of the Haley, Tim Scott, Asia Hutchinson, Chris Christie group. You saw the Ramaswamy uh, DeSantis group. You saw Haley, I thought, have the best night. I thought she won the debate, even though Ramaswamy is going to come in second, just because, you know, he was Nobody able to go. He, so he had no place to go but up. Right. Well, he, well, yeah. Well, they all have nowhere to go but up because they're trailing Trump by 40 or 50 points, depending on the poll. Uh, And he was polling second. So he got without Trump. He and DeSantis, uh, Ron DeSantis were at center stage. And, and, you know, because Ramaswamy has been polling so well, the other candidates felt the need to try to knock him down. And I think they did, even though he's got that Trump bluster and that swagger, for lack of a different term, so in Republican circles right now, even though he got beat up a, a good a good bit by Chris Christie and Nikki Haley and Mike Pence, um, you know, it's probably going to help him, at least in the short term. Excuse me. And so, you know, I thought the winners were, were Nikki Haley and and Mike Pence. Surprisingly, yeah. DeSantis didn't do anything to, to fall back, but he didn't do anything to, to, to pull back ahead of Ramaswamy in some of these polls. Um, or or to catch Trump, he, he just didn't do anything. I'm sorry, he's still ahead of Ramaswamy, but barely. Um, so I thought Mike Pence showed a side that we didn't really see when he was Donald Trump's number two. We saw Mike Pence with some sharp elbows. We saw an experienced debater, a veteran politician, and you know you can disagree, and and, and a lot of people disagree with Mike Pence on policies. But as far as the debate performance, I thought he was pretty strong. I thought he was pretty strong in January 6th stuff, um, the electoral co- the electoral count. You know what I found most interesting? I'm sorry, but what I found most interesting about that was 
they all booed him when they said, you know, Donald Trump did wrong. And then, but at the same time, they mostly cheered and agreed when when they defended Mike Pence for doing the right thing on January 6th. That was bizarre. a bizarre sequence right there. I mean, when, you know, they booed Pence multiple times. They booed Chris Christie for applauding Pence. And then when Tim Scott said, absolutely, Mike did the right, the vice president did the right thing, then there were cheers. Yeah. Um, and, you know, who knows? Trump Trump did say in the uh, 2015 and 2016 debate uh, when the crowd in the arena that night booed him that, oh, those are just, you know, campaign workers and special interest people. Don't don't listen to them. And he wasn't wrong about that. Those aren't, you know, you know, they're you're not going to just walk up and buy a general admission ticket to a Republican debate. So, you know, so the, the crowd's not exactly. How, how much would those go for? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Well, I, you know, the Washington Nationals are giving away tickets. Now you can sit on plate for like 20 bucks. So I think, you know. Michael, um, they're giving away your tickets. <laughs> The Nationals are playing good baseball. Yeah, they're playing a lot better. They have and the best it, winning so, percentage, I think, since the All-Star break. You know, they're not going to make the playoffs, but they're real, technically only uh, seven games out of the final wild card spot. They just beat the Yanks two of three, and they beat Miami, a team ahead of them, last night. So, you know, they're they're doing well. These trades that they made, <laughs> big-time people that who, are, who aren't performing – in other markets, these young kids are doing great. Anyway, so, that wasn't that wasn't your your question. Um, I didn't watch that whole debate. I, I just um, couldn't. I, I, I checked the medicine cabinet. I was out of Pepto Bismol, and I was not about to watch it unmedicated. Maybe you checked the wrong cabinet. That's yeah. Right. <laughs> cool. Possibly. Possibly. But, but. You know, in watching the the clips and listening to it, I think that you know DeSantis, in some sense, was the the biggest loser in my view because he didn't um, reclaim you know any momentum. He yeah. he was he was completely flat with his you know kooky smile and um, flat delivery. So you know, I, you look like an android. The, if this was the opportunity for him to recover. Uh, you know, the second place standing and have some momentum uh, that passed him by. Yeah. <laughs> this, this Ramaswamy is a complete lunatic in, in, in my view, and his ideas are are dangerous. Yeah, and wanting he, to bomb allies. Well, I thought it was interesting. I saw on one of the shows uh, a conversation with some Gen Z voters asking what they thought of him they said you know like he was hip or he was you know some some words that really didn't answer a question of what do you think about him substantively it was more of an appearance thing but if i remember correctly i think ramashwami doesn't want like 18 to 21 year olds to be allowed to vote i think he was against yep. um, that is he am i wrong yeah. about that no he wants to raise the voting age what to 25 or something something so these okay. kids yeah. who who were attracted to him uh, by appearance, have no idea that if he were president, they wouldn't be allowed to vote. <laughs> I wonder how I wonder how they'll respond to that message uh, from that candidate. I, I think he is um, just a, a shiny object that that will go away unless yeah, Trump I agree to be a vice president, which would be 
stunning. Um, but, but I agree with you that Nikki Haley uh, seemed to be the um, biggest winner, if there were winners to be had in that. And Mike Pence uh, showed some traces of um, uh, humanity. Humanity, or, you know, I, it's not that it's humanity. He wasn't acting in a humane way. His policies are not humane. No. Um, but yeah, that he had, you know, the appearance of three-dimensionality. Uh, <laughs> when, when mostly I saw saw him in as his, a cardboard cutout, as a two dimensional yeah cardboard cutout. I, I just want to say this about in, uh, about all of that. After watching debates for years, and particularly this one, when they they seem to stay, I, I, I'm looking for an imagination. I'm looking for someone to think outside of their box. And the biggest indication, and and John, I think you touched on it a, a little bit, and Michael, you too, but. Take a look at just one issue that they never it's always about the signaling to the base, whatever the base is. And in this case, it's about the southern border and drug dealers bringing drugs across the southern border and bands of of drug dealers. And we're going to bomb them and we're going to do this and we're going to put them in jail and we're going to or in uh, Ron DeSantis just flat out says he's going to kill them. (laughs) None of that will make any difference to the problems that this country faces with drugs. Because the truth of the matter is, if there was no demand, it doesn't matter how easily it is supplied or who supplies it. If there's no, this is simple economics. This is basically, I mean, if you want to talk about capitalism, the drug dealers are the ultimate capitalists, supply and demand. There is a huge demand for drugs in the United States. It you know it was when Ronald Reagan declared a war on drugs and the drugs won. So I, at some point in time, it just seems to me mere folly to discuss the the problems of drugs in the United States without addressing the root cause of the problem, which is the demand. And none of them ever want to talk about that. All they ever want to talk about is how they're going to punish the people giving us the supply, which only drives up the cost because the demand is still there. Well, Nancy Reagan, remember, famously went to the UN and said, "Just say no." Yeah, and that was that was, that was a demand side uh, approach to um, drug trafficking. She was ridiculed, but she was—I mean, I was deputy chief of the Narcotic Dangerous Drug Section, um, and we knew that the the sellers, certainly the people just below the Pablo Escobar type of co- um, cartel leaders, they were all fungible. There are a million yeah. people who are willing to sell take the chance of selling drugs. Um, but like everything else, if there's no, if no one wants to buy it, then there's nothing to sell. Right. But that uh, means though, that we need to have money invested in this uh-huh, infrastructure uh-huh. to help people um, who have drug issues. And we're not investing in that. No, I remember when I was a public defender, we, you know, we'd always ask people, to the judges to please put this defendant in second genesis or some program like that, which was a diversion from jail to allow them to get drug treatment. There were it was always full. There was never enough space. The government wasn't providing um, the resources. So people went to prison, they warehoused for a little bit of time. They kept their um, drug habits. They came back and they were, you know, back on the streets again doing the and same. And better old- criminals for being in, you know, 
crime high school and or crime college. Yeah, that I don't that I don't know about, but but <laughs> the the fact was that it it was just a revolving door. Yeah, John. Before we go to break, anything to add? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, to pass something like that federally, now you know each state is different. You might get something like that in some places through a state legislature and get a governor to sign it, but. Uh, states have a hard time funding programs like that. And then they turn to the federal government and, you know, that would be new money right now. So you'd have to get it through the House and Senate. And when you have one party uh, that is at least their elective, elected representatives right now and a good chunk of their senators are more focused on the, on culture wars that, let's just be frank, take on a, a very racial uh, feel when they talk about issues like that. Um, that's not getting through the house that, you know, I don't, a federal drug program, which would be smart, uh, to get at the root causes. Um, it, does that have the vote? Does that, that, it, I don't think that gets 60 votes in the Senate, much less gets through the Republican house. I agree. So we're well, on that note, we're going to take a short break and when we come back, we still have Peter Navarro and Jim Jordan to unravel. So, <laughs> We'll be, yay, we'll be right back. Hey, you, yeah, you, we're talking to you and we need your help. As you probably know, independent journalism is a vital pillar of our democracy. Like everything else, it's not free. We're asking all longtime listeners of the show to help support us by becoming a member on Patreon. For the price of a latte, you can help guard democracy. Join us today at patreon.com slash J-A-T-Q podcast to help us keep bringing you the podcast you love and the facts you deserve. Hi, we are back. It is Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam. For our weekly press roundup, Just Ask the Press, taking a look at the, uh, the events of the week. And with me, as always, is editor-at-large from CQ Roll Call, John Bennett, and former federal prosecutor and uh, Bob Dylan fan, Michael Zeldin. So uh, we've got a few things left to talk about at the end of the day. Let's start with, uh, uh, Michael, I guess, how serious is Jim Jordan investigating Fannie Willis? Is this more uh, uh, <laughs> high wind in the trees, or is there something behind it? Will it help Donald Trump? Is there something behind it? Yeah, politics. Is it something that he has authority to investigate? I don't think so. I mean, he's investigating her for what? For being a district attorney in the state of Georgia? I'm not sure what, what it is that he thinks he has the imprimatur to to in, investigate. Um, from a, And it's, you know, there's, you can't miss the irony of someone who cries about the weaponization of um, the Justice Department now acting in a weaponization sort of way from his bully pulpit uh, on his committee. These prosecutors should be allowed to do their work and free of interference from uh, federal officials like like Jim Jordan. So I, I don't I don't see the merits behind this. I understand the politics and the optics. Uh, of of doing it, but as we've talked about on this show over and over, there are so many important things to talk about um, in Congress, and for them to do 
and find solutions for. To waste the time and money to do this is is stunning. And back to the um, the debate of the presidential um, Republican contenders, the climate conversation was the most startling yes. of it for me, uh, with what Ramaswamy saying it, it's a joke, and many of them saying that global warming is not a man-made. Um, uh, phenomenon, I, you know, I don't know where these people get their information from, but it would be way better if Congress spent some time looking at issues that impact our lives and the lives of our children and perhaps grandchildren uh, before um, it's way too late. Well, what I found an annoying about that particular argument was that it just flew in the face of facts and and science, but then of course they're science deniers. But what what are you going to do? Like I said, the Donald Trump legacy will be lunacy for a while, and uh, even with Donald Trump not around. But what about let's go to Peter Navarro? What you want to unpack some of that? His contempt of Congress. Well, he was given a subpoena to testify, uh, just like um, Steve Bannon and and Mark Meadows and somebody else whose name I'm forgetting. And the D Justice Department decided to prosecute Navarro and Bannon for failure to comply. Uh, to gave, they gave Meadows a, a pass. And his case was delayed. Uh, but now he's going to have a contempt trial, just like Bannon was convicted of. And we'll see what the court in the uh, this final decision is. But he's facing, you know, he, he sort of gave the middle finger uh, to a, a duly constituted subpoena. And well, did it seems, didn't Jim Jordan do the same thing to a congressional subpoena? Yeah, but he was not referred to uh, for prosecution. That's totally I mean, weird. which is another irony, of course, is that when you think about you, 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 you lie in the bed you make, Jim Jordan and many others refused to comply with subpoenas from January 6th or other. They subpoena Fanny, and now they're now they want to subpoena other people. So you know. Do unto others as you would do unto yourself doesn't seem to be a golden rule that applies to them. No, no, no. They're golden rules. Do unto others before they get it done to you. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's, John, How did you know I was going to say that? But that's what Stone Cold Steve Austin used to yeah, say. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I knew where you were going, brother. <laughs> yeah, wow. That's great. Yeah, and then and then Stone Cold would come down the ramp with a chair and uh, there'd be <laughs> stunners and beers and thus... Sunnier days, guys. Sunnier. Yeah, that's a, well, what do you think's gonna? I mean, when you look at what's going on in Congress, uh, John. I mean, it, it's it's a lot a lot like you know they use all of this stuff. The Trump <clears throat> supporters use it as an indication that there's a deep state and they're out to get Trump, but they won't prosecute anyone else. But when you look at what's actually going on, there are no facts to support this. Mm -hmm. So you know, yeah. I, I mean. I'd like to see what's going on with Hunter. Yeah, I, I know that there's charges there. But as far as the rest of it goes, it just seems like a, a stretch to say that the DOJ has been weaponized. Uh, the, you know, we're, we're, again, four different jurisdictions, four different grand juries. Uh, and, and so when Jim Jordan says what he says, you and I've covered Jimbo, this isn't anything out of the ordinary for him, is it? No, 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 no. This is... Um... I'm kicking around a piece uh, soon uh, with this premise. So this notion of the deep state and, and this weaponization and this 
you know, this this big plot internally and in, internally meaning the federal government uh, to get Trump. It assumes that Washington operates and functions like House of Cards. When those of us who have covered it, studied it, worked in it, know that Washington is more like Veep. So, <laughs> you know, you could never pull something like that off in Washington for, for a lot of different reasons. Number one, everyone talks. You can't keep a secret in this town. And if there was some no kind of shit. plot, it would get out. It, excuse me, it would have gotten out. And there are too many, there are too many good reporters that cover DOJ on a daily basis. They would have found this out through their sources. So, um, Again, it's just not rooted in reality. When I hear Republicans talk about the deep state or even even Democrats, they just have this view that that I've never picked up. You know, Democrats, you know, they they can they they can operate sometimes like a declawed cat. Back when you could when you could declaw your cat, you know, a declawed cat will still bop you in the face, but it doesn't do much damage. Yeah. And and the federal government can be that way too, um, you know. It, it's hard to get outcomes. It's hard to get consensus. Um, there's a lot of red tape. Government moves slowly. It's it's just it's just not what I've studied. And and as a professional journalist and and student in Washington over the years, you know, that's I've always tried to get to know what I'm covering to really get to know it. I wasn't I haven't always been the best at making sources, but but just understanding who and what I'm covering and the players and how it operates, that has really been my strength. And and, you know, I consider myself, you know, something of an edge, not an expert of the federal government, but certainly I know more than most. And boy, that's just. It's just not that possible. doesn't matter. Your your information, your firsthand knowledge doesn't mean anything. I saw a right. YouTube video. <laughs> right. It's just it's not reality. It's not the town and the and and the it's not the organism that I've studied for over 20 years. It's just not possible. There you go. With that, I got a couple of, of email questions. Michael, you ready? <laughs> um ready as ever. This is uh, for I have maybe two for both of you, but this one's going to be fun for you, I think. This is from Lotus Blossom 63. Does oh. anyone have a name anymore? I don't know. I, I, what can I tell you? I get emails from the, the, no one has a name anymore. And not even the blue check marks have names anymore. That, but well, it, that, ain't, that doesn't mean what it used to. Yeah, that doesn't mean, yeah, amen. So it means uh, $89 on, a month or something? Is that yeah, what that's all it means. <laughs> Unless you've got like over a million followers. So uh, on the on on the album, The Freewheeling Bob Dylan, isn't Bob Dylan just James Dean, a musical version of James Dean? Uh, I'm not sure that I follow James Dean, a short uh, tenure. The actor. Uh, I know who he is, uh, who sadly <laughs> died um, driving his Porsche at um, <laughs> Little Great Bastard. Lake. That was the name of his Porsche, the Spider. Well, I mean, he he was um, in some um, fabulous movies, um, Rebel Without a Cause, most famously perhaps, and East Giant. 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 I mean, he he was he was he was um, terrific. How he would have progressed over his career, don't know. Uh, was Bob Dylan 
you know, sort of a James Dean-like character? If the question is, was he sort of counterculture-ish when he arrived on the scene? Yeah, perhaps, but he's 80-ish years old now and has been making music for 60 years. So clearly he's transcended that initial James Dean-like uh, look that he had on... Well, no, he had that look on the when he's walking down the the street. You know, there was a James Dean Bob Dylan. Yeah, that was, but that was also a look that you know most of us around that age wore for most of our uh, high school years. You know, so yeah, there's. I think on, John Bennett was James Dean. On its face, there there's a, a, a the a, the resemblance is uncanny. There's <laughs> a superficial appearance. Um, comparison but i don't know how you compare uh you know an actor who died in his youth uh, and a iconic uh, music making idol in his 80s but fair enough i mean they both had they, they both had the look if that's the question they both had the look well i'll i'll say that uh i think at some point in time i remember an interview with dylan saying that um that he was influenced by james dean i don't know how but um for anybody who doesn't know that album that's got blowing in the wind uh i like girl from uh the north country don't think twice it's all right um some of that stuff are talking world war three blues it's also there um so i i i, I get it but i i don't know if that i always thought that bob dylan transcended james dean but that's just me for longevity i mean he's got yeah 60 years. For, um, I, I've got one for you, John. Um, why do we pit? Why does the, uh, I'm sorry, let me read it. And this is from Jake. Hey, I've got a name here, Jake, but last name is 232. Uh, <laughs> why does the press continue to pick on Donald Trump when the Biden crime family is far worse? Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> um, look. I think most of us agree that if anyone in the Biden family committed crimes, is prosecuted, is indicted, goes to trial or cuts a deal, then they should be punished just like any other American. I certainly think that. Hunter Biden has already admitted to some crimes, and it seems very possible that he's going to be facing charges of other, of breaking other crime, of other laws, committing other crimes. And you know, Hunter Biden should be punished accordingly. Uh, same thing goes. So I say that same thing goes for Donald Trump, who, again, is not denying most a vast majority of the things, actions, behaviors, etc., that he has been accused of. So if Donald Trump is same thing, if Donald Trump, who is being prosecuted, has been indicted four times since March, um, if a jury, if jury, sorry, juries of his peers, uh, I'm sure in his mind he doesn't have many peers, but if, <laughs> if a jury of, of his fellow citizens finds him guilty one time, two times, three times, four times, 91 times, he should be punished accordingly, just like Hunter Biden and just like anyone else. We are covering it because a former president has been indicted four times, including three, including two related to trying to overturn an election. He's on tape. He said, find the votes. Just the, uh, just, just the right amount that we need. Um, and mishandling classified documents, including documents 
attack plans for Iran and um, information about troops, like information about troop movements and placements where our troops were potentially putting our troops in harm's way. That's why we're covering it. And we'll continue to cover it because it's our responsibility. There you go. And I, I will uh, say this to all of it. I, I, I have one other question that, uh, for you that was a letter from Dean 79, uh, but you all have both kind of touched on it already many times today. So we'll leave that letter by the side. I'll, I'll close today by quoting from Bob Dylan. Here's one you'll like, Michael. Down at the corner by a hot dog stand, I seen a man. I said, howdy, friend. I guess there's just us two. He screamed a bit, and away he flew. Thought I was a communist. So that's the talking World War III blues. Never more appropriate than today, I thought. Yeah, well, I, I, I sort of like the quote of, to live outside the law, you must be honest. Yeah, <laughs> I like that one, too. And and that that is not our dear Donnie. <laughs> So with that said, look, guys, uh, uh, John, where can we see you? Where can, what, what would you like to plug this week? Uh, every Friday morning, you can check out my weekly column, rollcall.com and CQ afternoon briefing. We'll get back to three times a week when our august members of Congress return in September. That's at CQ.com. And Michael? My podcast is called That Said with Michael Zeldin. And as we've discussed, it's books of uh, ideas that people should be thinking about, in my view. It's a nice break from the day-to-day news and stories on TV to more deep thought. I think my season four opens, I'm pretty sure, with my conversation with Heather Cox Richardson, who has written a wonderfully important book called Democracy Awakening, Notes on the State of America. Oh, I can't wait to read that. I, I Thank you very much for that. And by God, the name of this, the name of this podcast <laughs> is Just Ask the Question. You can catch me every uh, week at uh, thesalon.com on Thursdays for a column. The name of the book is Free the Press, now in its third printing. And with all of that said, we want to thank you for joining this week. We'll catch you next week so stay tuned have fun stay cool fly low this is just ask the press on just ask the question so see you next time